Bum, 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 bum. It's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone, more or less. Let me fly far away from here. Fun, 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 bum, 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 Goldfish shells nibbling at my toes. Fun, 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 Smegheads. We're My, back. <laughs> yes, we are. Hey, this is a new series, and you, you kind of stopped me doing the proper intro. Yeah. So, okay, I'll just do I'm this. more aggressive this series. Oh, God. Jeez. Um, welcome, everyone, to the new series of Smegheads. We have missed... Have we done it, the proper intro? No. Okay, let's let's try again. I'm not going to cut this out, but let's try again. Okay. Hello, Smegheads. My name's Jed Shepherd, And I'm Daniela Phillips. Thanks very much for joining us once again on Smegheads, the Red Dwarf podcast. That Did you miss better. us? Yeah. You, oh, you t- talking to the, to the yeah, audience? Yeah, Okay. No. Um, I bet they missed us. I hope so. We keep getting hassled on Twitter for when, Smeg- no. when Smegheads coming, when Smegheads coming. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a it few has. months. It has. Um, yeah, Jed, Jed's been busy with other projects, so Smegheads yeah. has been right down at the it's bottom not, of the, the really list. It's not, not a priority. We're hey. not a priority. Then you're like, oh, I can only do weekends, Jed. I can't do weeknights anymore. What? It's called having a full-time job. She says, I can't do um, weekdays anymore. And every time I ask what, um, for a weekend, she's busy. Oh, maybe I made that up in my mind. I don't know. But we're here now. We're here now. Um, and hopefully we won't argue through the entire show. But what we've done is you might be here uh, waiting for series six. But we thought... F that, let's do the new series. Let's jump ahead. Be very, very current and start with uh, series 11 of Red Dwarf, which is about to be shown or currently being shown on Dave. Um, the episode in question is called Twentica. And it was uh, it dropped a couple of weeks early or one week early um, if you have the internet. Uh, because UK Play, which is the kind of network that Dave is on, put it up to stream i'm guessing if you're listening to this you have the internet possibly not who knows how people acquire this <laughs> is it people can listen to this in the future that's the beauty of audio someone could find this in like 50 years time and the internet isn't a thing right and they find this on a on a game boy or something i don't know where i'm going with this this series has started off <laughs> very surreal how have you been daniela i've been Good, yeah. I've uh, changed jobs um, okay. since I was last on the the show. You also look a lot. You look a bit different than the last time I saw you. Um, You've kind of got that Lisa Loeb thing going right now. <laughs> well, I've got my glasses on today. Yeah, exactly. Are they new glasses? No, they're not. Okay. They're over a year old. Okay. Um, I've been training for a half marathon, which I'm running on the 9th of October. That's pretty cool. What made you? think you could do half a marathon (laughs) (laughs) uh i was foolish or drunk um no i i've done 10k before um so i wanted to get it you're healthy a challenge um something to aim for and i thought that um a half marathon would be a good thing to do and and this is the reason why daniela can't do weekdays because she's training every single day and the fact i have a full-time job yeah, and she just refu- she re- refused alcohol because um, she's in training. Yep. So afterwards, going to go on a binge. 
No. Okay. I'm going to maintain this healthy lifestyle. Okay. Or try to anyway. That's not going to make the podcast fun though, but we want you like smiley drunk, which is always the the best way to handle me, I find. Um, (laughs) No comment. What have I been doing? Thanks very much for asking, Daniela, once again. (laughs) I don't know. What have I been? Oh, the last time I saw you uh, was at Cantina. So if you remember the last series, I was trailing Cantina quite a lot, (laughs) which was my (laughs) Star Wars gig. Quite a lot is a bit of an understatement. (laughs) What? Um, So in case you uh, had your head in a hole uh cantina was the gig i put on uh for star wars um and it had a secret band but that secret band i can announce now was ash ash of um ash fame ash fame yeah um nine million albums sold around the world 24 top 20 hits or something like that they headlined uh, which was great they're a long time friends of mine obviously released some tapes for them they were absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, Darth Elvis were great as well. And Blues Harvest. So it was three bands, Star Wars bands. Uh, and we were great as well. We were great. We came on stage yep. and did a little bit with Blues Harvest. I wasn't so great. I wasn't... He, Jed was too shy. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go onto the stage. I don't like the limelight. I was full front of Daniela was like, we're going yeah. on stage. Yeah. And I was like, Daniela, this isn't Smeghead. This isn't the Smegheads gig. I was like one of those pushy show mums. You really were. Then they pushed me out on stage. Um, but yeah no it was really really good Um, we had Star Wars cocktails it was so cool we had little people running around it was brilliant it was so good Um, and who knows we might be doing it again quite soon more on that another podcast also Danielle do you remember last year when I had uh, a film in the London Film Festival I do that was so cool I wish I could do it again but I can. That wish has come true because I am doing it again. <laughs> I have another film called Dawn of the Deaf, which is in next month's London Film Festival. It's getting, it's become viral. I'm, I'm not surprised because it's pretty good. But um, it's been reviewed very, very favourably all around the internet on, on horror sites and film websites. Um, Dread Central, which is one of my favourite horror sites, give it a five out of five which is great you haven't haven't shown it yet by daniela you haven't i'll send you a link thank you um and or you could come to one of the festivals it's been shown at come to the london film festival showing possibly possibly this is what i have to deal with guys well i'm not i'm not good during the week i have very important work to do it's a london film festival i know it's your podcast co-host i know i know i'll try i'll try okay um, but guys, if you're out there and you want to check out Dawn of the Death at the London Film Festival, please do. It might already nearly be sold out. I'm not 100% sure. I've also been do- doing producing another podcast called Monkey Tennis, which you might know about, which is the Alan Partridge podcast. Uh, and that's been fun as well. So check that out. All on the Post Pop Network. Um, it's doing pretty well in the charts right now. But what, Daniel? I was just going to say, are we wrapping the admin up? <laughs> yeah, we are about to wrap the admin up. We've been away for a while. It's I know, like, but these guys don't care about what we've been up to. You'd be surprised. Really? Have you seen them on Twitter? Yes. Yeah, so they, they care about kept us. They're up to date with us This isn't Twitter. just about Red Dwarf. They care about us as people <laughs> you, as well. Do you care? Yeah, and when we... Maybe soon we'll announce we're doing a live show. Who knows? But if we do, uh, you all should come. and We'd really appreciate it once we announce one. Uh, maybe around Christmas. Who knows? Um, and yeah, so this episode, let's dive straight in. Let's go. Let's do it. This is the I'm new itching. series. Yeah. Um, and uh, first impressions, Daniela, what did you think of the very new episode of Red Dwarf, Twentica? 
Do you mean what was my first impressions when it first started or what are my first impressions having seen it? Okay, let me put it in context. You don't have a a good memory of of Red Dwarf from uh, where we left off at Series 5 to now. because I hadn't seen it in about 20, 25 years. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So the in-between bit between now and what happens in Series 11, you're probably like... Do, does it matter? Do you can you get I, straight back in? Yeah, there? I got on board. I okay. didn't feel like um, there was anything that I hadn't got or didn't understand. Yeah, um, I'm sure there are things that I haven't picked up. Yeah, um, but I was I was okay. You didn't feel lost. No, and I was watching it with um, Nick last night we get it you've got a boyfriend keep going and uh actually my my point was that he hasn't watched red dwarf in a while so we we were both watching it and the scene came on with jumping ahead a bit with Crichton and his his nipples (laughs) yeah (laughs) and he asked is that the first time we've we've seen Crichton's nipples and I thought I don't know, but I I think so. Well, it's the first time we've seen, possibly first time we've seen his nipples in as a mechanoid. We've obviously seen his nipples. Yes, yes. When he's a human. Yes, but um, in an episode, yeah. um, I think it might be possibly. Um, but let's go back to the start. I think okay. you're a hundred percent right. In this episode, um, is quite good as an introduction. It doesn't leave people who were um. The wilderness years of Red Dwarf, shall we say, between six and now, well, we lost a lot of people. We lost a lot of fans. People kind of gave up, maybe during seven, they realised it wasn't quite the same as what they used to. Mm. Kind of gave up until maybe maybe round about now, maybe maybe Series 10. Maybe this will bring a lot of people back. I, I think. think so. Because it's been hyped up. There's lots of advertisements on the tube. Yeah. And I, th- I think Dave uh, are, is they're really trying to yeah kind of push, and I, which is I like that i think it's good there should be more investment in like homegrown yeah. talent and i think uh, hopefully this means that people will go back and watch s- series seven and listen to our podcast exactly um so um yeah let's let's jump straight in uh, like, like i said i don't think it's i don't think people who haven't seen red Wolf for the last 10 years or whatever i don't feel like they'll be lost i think this no. is the same characters as, as they ever were in the same kind of group dynamics nothing's quite different which is gr- which is great yeah i think um quite early on in the first scene they establish if you don't already know the personalities of each character yeah but can i just go bring it back a little bit uh before that to the actual like credits okay which are great like okay. the, these credits i mean they've they obviously done these credits all the way through but it reminds me of the kind of like um power of season three credits where you just like every scene is just absolutely awesome they've really captured Lots of action yeah they've captured the best bits and maybe some of these things we won't even see in the episode um but they've just captured such awesome bits um mm. which really makes me excited for the rest of the se- of the series um even though we i was at the filming of a couple of episodes and you're at the filming of one of them um i'm just so excited to see what what takes place um and the other thing i noticed the very first shot of, of this when we see starbug um coming up towards the screen um uh, above a planet i mean obviously very star wars but just, it's just absolutely beautiful i i think seeing like a model shot and not like a i mean obviously some of it's cgi because it's not really in space but just seeing a model <laughs> shot of a starbug 
just beautifully rendered, like just just coming towards the screen. Just everything looks really filmic. It has a really yeah, nice film. I mean, I was it. watching. To be honest, I was watching this on my laptop, so that didn't come across as as Which much. Which a lot of people will do. As it's um, streaming on UK TV. Yeah, I'm be interesting to see it on my TV because I've got a very good TV and we it, get it. <laughs> and it's uh, a lot of Hollywood films I watch. The special effects look absolutely terrible on there because my TV is too really? good. Really? That's interesting. Um, yeah. So I'll be interested to see what it will look like on my well, TV. Well, maybe Red Dwarf isn't the best thing to watch <laughs> on your super TV because you might see uh, the seams. But I think watching it also, I watched it on my laptop. Um, I was just amazed at how beautiful it looks. It's just such a step up from like the last few series, what we used to. Um, and it just goes down to, to the excellent model work that they've got um, in series 11 and, and 12. Um, but yeah, and you see just this beautiful moon or planet or wherever it is. It's just it's just awesome. Um, so yeah, so straight away it starts with uh, Rimmer announcing to crack open a new pair of pantaloons as they've got a problem. And this is exactly how I wanted the new series to start. I didn't yeah. want any build-up. I didn't want a, another bunk scene. Which, yeah, everyone likes bunk scenes. We get it. But we didn't need another one of those. I want to go straight into the action. Straight into an adventure. Exactly, because people watching i think in the years that have passed this, i mean red dwarf's been on for for a few decades now um and people now just want action we our sensibilities have changed since since the late 80s people especially the younger people want things to happen fast um, although interestingly enough your your favorite red dwarf episodes are the talky ones yes that's because i'm from the generation that appreciates kind of the slow build and the kind of more kind of relationship development but episodes. isn't that a contradiction to what you said you liked about this episode or you started completely but then i am a contradiction <laughs> i, mean, I am a walking, walking contradiction. contradiction that is right <laughs> um but yeah, so um, we also in this bit, we get our first look at the boys. What do you think? I know we saw them in real life when, when they were being filmed. But what do you think of the new look Red Dwarf crew or old Red Dwarf um, crew? We obviously know what you think about <laughs> Danny, Christ. Danny John Jules <laughs> has aged amazingly. Cat don't crack. Amazingly. Yeah. He he looks great. He looks the same as he did like series four or five. Looks great. The rest of them have have definitely aged, I would say. Yeah, and surprisingly, Rimmer being a hologram, we shouldn't really age. Seems to have aged he looks quite tired. a lot. He looks tired. Yeah. Yes. It's all those Channel Five shows he's been doing. He? he looks. He had that car one, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't watch Channel Five. <laughs> Is it beneath you? No, I just. Uh, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I think, do you know they not have a lot of uh, murder she around Channel Five? Uh, n- I don't really watch it on out. Channel 5. It's usually on one of the, um, the, Netflix, the weird satellite channels. It's true. <laughs> ITV4 or something like that. Which which is great. Um, but yeah, everyone does look a little bit older, which is fair enough. Um, but I was thinking about Rimmer, how holograms may age. Maybe it's in the programme, because he's kind of there to keep Lister sane. Maybe within his programming, he ages with Rimmer. Maybe. That's, that's a possible plausible. explanation. That's what yeah. I would kind of do if I was uh, uh, writing this thing. Um, so, yeah, so we get our first look at the boys. Crichton looks massive. Podgy. Yeah. I know, uh, I mean, Red Dwarf fans don't like to kind of dwell on the hardcore fans. They don't want to dwell on Crichton's kind of suit. They want to kind of get on with it. He looks weird. He looks weird. He looks like uh, massive. But I know, obviously... I mean, if, if the suit adds some pounds, 
Yeah, and Robert Llewellyn obviously added some pounds in, in, in the preceding, in, in the years. It's a middle-aged spread. Exactly, it's fine. Um, but yeah, you'd think, again, a mechanoid shouldn't really put on weight. Doesn't take away anything, doesn't subtract anything from how amazing uh, the set looks and everything. Um, I was okay with the weight gain. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't bother me. That's fine. Alyssa looks pretty cool. I really love Lister's jacket, all those patches and stuff on it. <laughs> love it. Um, so yeah, so yeah, they've put on a little bit of weight, but that's fine. Uh, we get an incoming message from another ship, and that other ship looks amazing as well. Just just how that looks in space. It looks like a big long cigarish kind of bulbous thing. It, oh, it's absolutely beautiful. And I think I'm getting really caught up on just how beautiful everything looks. Everything looks yeah. like it's really filmic and Oh, it's beautiful. Um, and yeah, and this ship is a simulant ship. Um, and Daniel, again, you probably don't forget, but in the last series, simulants kind of played a big part towards the end as well. So it's quite good to see simulant. And the simulant captain or the person who's opened uh, the intercom is the actor Kevin Eldon. I know. I clocked that. The simulant Kevin Eldon. I love him. Everybody loves him. He's brilliant. He's brilliant in everything. It's too bad he didn't get to do much kind of comedic work here. Yeah. He kind of played it straight. Yeah. But then again, he is uh, a simulant. Um, and uh, he asks if Arnold J. Rimmer is aboard. Rimmer says, uh, obviously, don't tell him anything. Let's not speak to these people. But Kat straight away points out, the coward he is, he points out that Rimmer is aboard. Um, bit, bit, bit mean, a cat. He, he gives them up straight away. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of what you would do to me if, like, we were in a car and the police were like, okay, who, who's got the stuff? And you'd be like, Jed has. Well, y y I wouldn't have the stuff, so you definitely have, have the stuff. I would plant the stuff on you. If I, well, As soon as I saw those, those lights flashing, no. that stuff would be on you. No. I don't know what stuff it would be, but it would be some stuff. Um, would you dub me into the police of straight course, away? Of course. I'd never break the law. We've already established that on other podcasts. But, you used to, but when you were little, you used to stole like a lemon or something. What was An it? An orange. An orange. Jeez <laughs> Louise. Citrus thief on our hands here, guys. Um, so, yeah. So, um, then he asked if um, Lister is aboard and Kat eagerly points him out too. Yeah. Um, which is a bit cruel, especially as Kat and Lister are meant to be kind of buddies. Um, so uh, the actor Kevin Eldon announces that he is a combat droid for, and I was just like, combat droid? Is there going to be a fight straight away? And I got really excited, but no, not not straight away. Um, and uh, but I was thinking, this uh, this is probably nothing to do with anything, but there's there's kind of like robots, and they're about to have a war, and maybe this makes up a little bit for Liston not getting the robot wars gig. Um, probably not. Probably not. No. Which was a shame he didn't get the robot. It was Wars a real gig. shame. But I mean, he can't be trusted to see out a series because he quit. Thankfully, he quit Coronation Street to do Red Dwarf, but maybe that was held against him. Uh, who knows? Did Coronation Street for quite a few years, though, didn't he? he? Did. It's I not never, like he quit after a month. Yeah. No, I don't watch Coronation Street. It's a bit depressing. My mum does. Does she? And was my dad. Okay, maybe ask how, how uh, Craig Charles did on it. I'll ask how he was written out. Yeah, that'd be good. I think he has the potential to come back, though, isn't he? Okay. Maybe if Red Dwarf doesn't work out, could always go back. Cat has dobbed them in. And uh, Kevin the Robot, Kevin the Simulant, says they want to do a transaction. Um, and as everyone on the Red Dwarf, uh, .co.uk board knows, never trust a simulant. Um, Rimmer says to the others that under no circumstances will they negotiate with the enemy. 
um, harking back to his kind of um, war games days, his kind of risk days. So he kind of has that kind of, he's always first to kind of try to uh, uh, show that he has some kind of like strategy in him. Um, and he he's usually. A, he wants to be a leader. He's a born leader. Do you think he is? Do you actually think he's a born leader? Well, he, I think he thinks he is. But do you think that... Because the thing is, people who think they're a born leader, even if they're not actually good at leading, maybe someone just taking charge of something can, can make things happen. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. So anyone who steps up... Do you think I'm a born leader? No. My name's Shepherd. I'm a leader of sheep. I'm a leader of the flock, surely. So you're a leader of sheep. So these are people that, or things that want to be led. Or maybe don't know they're being led. I think a good leader is somebody who manages to lead a group of people that don't necessarily want to be led. Why are you whispering? Is this no secret? Idea. <laughs> I've no idea. I've no idea. These are some of my business gems. You can uh, sign up to my conference, How to Make It in Business 101. Wow. Be at the O2 <laughs> at Starbucks. So Rimmer does say uh, under no circumstances will they uh, negotiate with the enemy. Um, but he then sees on screen, he sees that for some reason there's another Rimmer on their ship being held hostage. Um, so obviously he goes, okay, yep, we have to um, trade with them. Um, and what did you think at this point? What did you think the kind of premise was of this? I, I'm done this a lot st- of times. Uh, to be honest, I'm still a bit confused even when we had the explanation. Yeah. It's just pretty kind of hard sci-fi. Yeah, I I assumed that it was um, a rumor from the future. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, was was there any any? There was no other. That that was it. That was my answer. That's what I assumed. Well, that's kind of they they posited a few ideas themselves. To be fair, okay. So they posit that it might be rumor from a different dimension, and then rumor says, "Well, if he dies, it's not the end of the world, then is it?" And then they say it might be a clone of Rimmer and then Rimmer says well still it's not the end of the world if he dies then is it and then Crane says it might be Rimmer from the future a kidnap and brought back into the past and Kat says again it's not the end of the world if he dies uh, cue rapturous laughter I like that bit it was funny it's funny Kat's always got it in for Rimmer he always gets the good lines as well um, I'm, I'm just thinking will this series be another Rimmer centric series because so far it is what one episode yeah, but do you remember in like series five when it was like every single episode starting yeah, but from the I first don't, one? I think, I don't, well, considering the, well, the episode we saw wasn't a rumour centric one. That's true. And this is only the first episode, so yeah. I wouldn't necessarily jump to that conclusion. Exactly. And I'm kind of like trying to build another one of my successful theories oh, on no. Red Bull. No, oh, I'm just, no. I haven't actually, I haven't got it yet, but my theory that uh, Kat and Crichton are the same person that ran throughout series two and three. Maybe, maybe disproved. Who knows? No, no one's been able to disprove me yet, but maybe yeah, that's not I true. Um, I've got another one for, the, for this series okay, so far. Okay, hit us. I'm, I'm going to say at the end, or maybe I'll wait until uh, I've thought about it a bit more so I don't look stupid. Uh, back, onto, <laughs> back onto the... Uh, bit harsh. <laughs> back onto the episode. I just kind of wanted to say, stop here and say how awesome the inside of Starbug looks. Like All the bits of machinery look like they might work in real life. Yep. All the knobs and just the screens. Obviously just like iPads that stuck into the wall. But they just look awesome. You really feel like they could like get up and just twist any knob and a light will come on and it looks and it's the lighting so good as well it's not just like your normal studio light just like a bright artificial light or just 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 lighten them just willy-nilly without thought of kind of um the kind of emotion behind the scene this is a real mood light and it's 
blues, dark, the shadows across them, kind of fore, foreboding that something uh, is going to happen that's that maybe that can lead them to their doom. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I just think, again, everything looks really beautiful and a really good job uh, with the extra money from, from Baby Cow Productions, I assume. Um, yeah, so I, I really like it. Uh, it does look a lot like more like film rather than a TV show which is great and hopefully it will bring more people based on on that fact um the actor kevin eldon then asked them um for the casket of chronos that's what he wants he wants the casket of chronos um in uh, in return for rimmer and the casket of chronos is such a sci-fi name it is it sounds a bit like a like one of those fighting fantasy books like do you ever used to read fighting fantasy books no like house of hell which on top of no, witch on firetop mountain casket of chronos it's like one of those just kind of okay one of those things like okay. turn to page 50 to kind of oh i used to love those like choose your own adventure books yeah so but i mean that's kind of similar what, what choose your own adventure books did you read like um, was it I like think... turn to page 53 if you want to go to private school turn to 63 if you want to no. play truant or well, no <laughs> they were i think they were like ghost story ones or like murder mystery ones Oh, with the Sweet Valley High ones? No, no. They, they, I think they Sweet Valley High didn't. Sweet Valley High had some really good horror books. No, Sweet Valley High didn't. Um, trust me, because I read them. Sweet Valley High? Big fan of the Sweet Valley High horror uh, stories. Yeah. I've never heard of them. I, re- I read Sweet Valley High and Sweet Valley University. Um, you didn't read all of them then because there were some horror ones. Okay, I'm, I'm Googling it. But I mean, when I say horror, there was ghosts and witches and things like that. I went to Salem a, a few weeks ago. Did you? Yeah. Wow. That's very timely due because uh, of the Blair Witch kind of things coming out. Why did you go to Salem? Because uh, I was in Massachusetts on holiday. So popped into Salem for did, a couple of days. And did you go to the witch museums and stuff? And um, We did the, um, the witch tour. Nice. What yeah. is the witch tour? So basically a witch, um, a guy, takes us around um, Salem and uh, tells us about the witch trials and shows us points of interest along the way. Okay. Did they sign you up or? No. Oh, okay. I've just Googled it and there are yeah. no Sweet Valley High horror books. There is. And I'll put it on the social networks if no one believes me. People out there are screaming, Daniela, Daniela. There were definitely Sweet Valley High horror books. They were because I read them. Um, I didn't like it once. Oh, is horror in London collection? Is that is that it? Is it Sweet Valley High Girls? Yeah, they hunt for the most deadliest killer since Boom. Jack the Ripper. Yeah, Sweet Valley High hunting hunting monsters and stuff. I've never heard of this. It's awesome, okay, I'm right? gonna look it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not as good as Point Horrors, obviously. Oh, obviously. Um, because they were the best. They were a little bit yeah. like Sweet Valley High books. Anyway, that we'll save that for the Sweet Valley High podcast, oh, which yeah. we'll definitely, definitely do. Definitely do that. Yeah, so uh, the actor Kevin Eldon goes on to say that the cast got Kronos contains the remains of 23 of 27. And this is where I kind of went, look, you look like a Borg from Star Trek. And you have the naming conventions of Borgs from St- Star Trek too. It's not, not, not great. Don't, because Star Trek can do stuff better. Don't copy them exactly. But yeah, so the, the remains of 23 of 27 is apparently in that casket. And the guys, they've just been using it to prop up their pool table. Which is... There. So they, they agree to do the swap. Uh, but when they do the swap, they uh, put the Kronos, the casket of Kronos into some kind of transporter onto the ship. Their Rimmer disappears and the Rimmer from the other ship appears. So like you said, Daniel, they're in some kind of time loop, but still it's a little bit yeah. hazy as to what's going on right now. So maybe you might lose some of the audience here. 
I, it confused me because if they, if they, that's a surprise, Daniela. <sighs> keep, keep going. Okay, so the premise is that they go what forward in time? No, 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 no. Backwards in time. Backwards in time. So they go backwards in time. Still, Rimmer bring him no, no, forward. No, 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 no. So, so say you're in the present right now. Yes. you're with me. Yeah, you, they kidnap me from now so they they come from the future or the past they come from the future they come from the future they kidnap you okay no no, yeah oh no say they're 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 in our our present yeah right they kidnap me bring me back to to you and me 10 minutes ago right and say we've got jed here do you want to swap and obviously i'm gonna go yeah um so in order to keep the loop going when they give me to to us, I have to disappear in order for that kind of loop to continue. Still don't get it. You do get it. Just think about it. Yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> I can't get my head around it. So they <laughs> but you've got glasses on. You should know this. No. Do people think you're more intelligent when you wear glasses? No. For real? <laughs> yes. But you, you, I'm sure you... Do you always wear glasses around me or have I not noticed? I don't know. I wear contacts a lot oh, of the time. Okay. Um, but sometimes I wear my glasses. I think they see, I think they actually see you, Daniel. I Thank think you. I think the Red Dwarf fans would appreciate um, a, a Daniela glasses picture. <laughs> the socials. I'm looking a bit ropey today. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, what's I new? Want, I what's different? Say, no, I'm joking. <laughs> so we're in a, a very fetching cat T-shirt at the moment. Yeah, cat for cat. What's that? Oh yeah, <laughs> very apt. Yeah. Um. So the the new rumor because he said he overheard them conveniently, that there's the simulants are called Exponoids. Yep. I thought, what a great band name, Exponoids. That's a great band name. Um, I might get Exponoids.com. Daniela and the Exponoids. No, no, no. <laughs> Daniela, actually, that does sound quite good. But I was thinking more of a, of a group called the Exponoids, me and you. Okay. Hi. From our success from, from Cantina. Yeah. Um, we are the Exponoids. Yeah. Um, obviously you can't sing hey come on i i'm the one that can sing and i'm the one who wants to get on stage so you can be like the dj behind me like mixing everything and producing are you, you going to play any instruments or anything in the exponoids no. the exponoids no. is an important band daniel possibly uh, the most important band i of all might time. play the triangle people call us the beatles of the 23rd century which people in the future, in the 23rd century, okay. those people. Let's get back to Red Door. Okay, we are the Exponoids. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> so the casket was actually... See, this is where sometimes I feel like Red Dwarf, and sometimes other, other programmes as well, hide certain flaws in logic behind jargon. And this is... I'm not... Well, we'll come to how, if I like the episode a bit later. But this is one of the times when I think, okay, this is a little bit jargony. So the cask of Kronos was actually an amplifier that increased the range of the beam. I didn't really know what the beam was or why they needed an amplifier or why couldn't they couldn't do the stuff without it. Um, no, I didn't try to understand this. Y- there, I tr- yeah. I tried with the whole Rimmer time travel. The this I know, I just let it just, wash over me. <laughs> just back to back, hard sci-fi. I just concepts. went with it. You just went with it. You just yeah. went, went with the flow. Yeah. As long as you saw uh, your Rimmer doing something kind of cool, you you were happy. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Are you still fancying Rimmer in the series? I don't fancy Rimmer. I think he's a really cool character. I like him. Is he still your favourite? Yes. Okay. Says a lot about says a lot about you, Daniela. So the aim is to travel back. So we we find out because they need to we need to be spoon fed because it's a little bit hard sci-fi. The aim of the Exponoids, not the best band in the world, but the uh, simulants on this TV show, their aim is to travel back into the past to change the present. This sounds like Quantum Leap. Yeah. But not, but not quite as good. Oh, I'd love them to reboot Quantum Leap. That'd be so good. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniela of the Exponoids. Sorry, I love Quantum Leap so much. Me too. Weirdly, on the last series last episode of series one of monkey tennis i also sang the quantum leap theme song Did you? In full. Ah. that's weird we've got we've got a bit of a connection going on there daniela yeah. spending too much time together so they realize that the um the exponoids have kind of tricked them or they're up to no good basically um would you ever trust an exponoid the band Exponoids or... or an Exponoid. An Exponoid. I wouldn't trust a simulant version, but I would trust us. Okay. Um, the So, yeah, so the crew of Red Dwarf all of a sudden decide... Don't, don't forget, these, these guys are normally cowardly, selfish, in it for, the, for themselves. They decide that they want to kind of, like, save the universe all of a sudden, chase down these simulants, who obviously are a lot more powerful than them, chase them through a time hole that they've opened. Yeah, they just go for it. They not, don't even think twice. Yeah, not knowing where this time, this this kind of swirly-whirly time hole goes. Um, so they just basically follow them, and they enter into the kind of, uh, the opening credits of Doctor Who from the 80s, the kind of a yeah. swirly kind of kind of thing that you can see in style kind of a wormhole um looks pretty good again the just the the kind of um the effects looks really good yeah and uh they they go through and they see a, a planet in front of them through the through the kind of wordy whole thing um and the pulse hits them um and they, they call the pulse an electron wavelet which i thought sounded like a bit like an e-cigarette possibly no. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, e-cigarettes are outlawed in the future because they're just they're just just a vessel for carrying spit in. It, I find, um, yeah, and it doesn't. And when people smoke, sorry, when people vape indoors, that's still your spit going in the air. Yeah, your lung juice disgusting. going all over the place. Um, so it hits Starbucks. The um, the e-cigarette hits Starbucks, which sends them careering all over the place. And I thought, like the special effects again here looked great um and yeah so rimmer disappears his light his light b kind of just drops down to the seat and Crichton is immediately out because obviously they're kind of electronic so short circuit they short circuited yeah that's right did you like the short circuit too yes the film even though it's kind of racist is it I don't remember. The Indian guy. I don't remember. Oh, who was an Indian? No. Oh, yes. I remember having a conversation about this. Yes. I didn't realise it when I watched yeah. it. I was only little. Still an amazing film, though. <laughs> Still an amazing film. I stand by that. I haven't seen that. it since that revelation. Oh, that scene where they're, they're locked in the freezer and they do all the songs on the, oh, on the pad. on the song, yeah. uh, Downtown. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I think that was the first time I heard the song, Downtown, too. Amazing. Um, so... 
Starbucks about to crash on the planet and once again some really beautiful stuff we see land rushing towards them through the cockpit window and that land just looks so beautiful it looks like looks like uh, the Millennium Falcon like in, in episode 7 just such beautiful sound dunes everywhere and the sky looks beautiful really good job like this extra money has really been put to, to good use yeah and they crash and I love seeing Starbuck crash I love it. it harks back to the early scenes where we see we see slow motion of like a model hitting dust and sparks flying and sand going everywhere, steam rising from the ground. It just looks so good. So, so I was a bit of a, on a nostalgia trip while I watched this. Mm. Um, and uh, Lister said, crying couldn't be more fried if he was a Mars bar living in Scotland, which I thought was a little bit of a cheap joke. I thought it was quite good. Come on. I know they're trying to hark back to, to the kind of good times in the 90s, but that's such a 90s joke. Yeah, no, I, I appreciated it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, so they try to jump start Crichton. This, now with we're his f- nipples. Yeah, we're, we're, we're back to what you said. <laughs> so they reveal his, the, the panels in his chest is revealed and they're two kind of like spark plugs which they jump start from Starbucks console and it gets Crichton back up and running and Lister says, uh, please keep, um, keep moving so to, to get your dynamo going. Oh, I love this scene. It's this so funny. This is my favourite scene of the whole episode. <laughs> Why? Because he's like moonwalking and shuffling. He and, he's just, and he's trying to explain <gasps> oh, what's going on. So funny. I laughed out loud. <laughs> it's funny. So Crichton's going up and down the ship, back and forth, uh, while he's trying to explain something very sci-fi. Um, and he basically says that time has elapsed differently for them. Um, a little bit like, in, this is very similar to um, an earlier episode where time moves, moves differently on a planet than it does for the guys in Red Dwarf or, or Starbuck. So years have passed since uh, they've last seen the simulants. The simulants have been on that planet for years but to them it's just been seconds Rimmer also reappears because Lister fiddles around with his light beat does he change the battery I don't know but Rimmer reappears um and um yeah on the planet they go to uh, the nearest town uh, and that town looks like it's from the 1920s during yeah. prohibition I think they uh, they want any excuse to kind of like go back to those times. They've done it a few times in Red Dwarf. Um, but I thought the set looked really good. It did, it like did. Doctor Who, kind of like when Doctor Who goes to somewhere, kind of that quality. Um, really good set dressing. And I feel like I'm over-egging all the, the really good special effects and the model work and the sets. But honestly, it's such a step up from the previous series. My only criticism would be the accents. Well, the American kind of... All the American accents. 20s accents. No, yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think a single of the people that were hired was actually American. I thought the girl in the bar that we come to, Harmony, was really? co- must have been American. That was a pretty I good accent. Know. But we will come to that. They go onto this, pla- onto this planet. Um, I mean, like, yeah, the set's great. It's not Boardwalk Empire, so it's not that level of detail, but it does look really, really good. Um, and we see from a poster that it's not the 1920s on nope. Earth. It's actually 1952, and it's not alcohol that's been prohibit- prohibited. <laughs> <laughs> prohibited. Um, what's been prohibited? Electricity. <laughs> no, it wasn't electricity. Technology. Technology. <laughs> electricity. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, technology has. I been don't know because I can't read my notes. Oh, sorry. Can you? Is your batteries run out? Yeah. Maybe technology's been outlawed in this office. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, Daniela. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so the uh, technology has been outlawed um, for the last thirty years. 
Um, and we get a helpful hint towards that, or we get it kind of spelled out to us, because we see the police raid some smugglers that are about a metre away, who are kindly smuggling... A toaster. Some, yeah, a toaster. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it wasn't a return of talkie toaster, which I would have quite liked a little call back to, to- talkie toaster. No, I'm good. <laughs> You're not a fan of talkie toaster? Not really. So, yeah, so we see the the kind of punishment for getting caught smuggling technology is... It seems like death, right? Yeah. So a death squad's about to fire upon uh, these poor smugglers and uh, Lister shouts out and that stops all of the gunmen in their tracks um, luckily and it lets most of them get away except for one who is hit in the back and falls down but do, do the players kind of move away then when they they they, they, they chase after the, the guys after the other ones yeah. right okay so this one that got hit went down and luckily to help with the plot he hands Lister a card um, and that card is like a flyer or a card to go to pizza the, delivery yeah pizza delivery card and then he <laughs> kind like of like corrects himself <laughs> you like the funniest it things seemed, it seemed like a joke that they'd had in their back pocket for a while and we're, and we're looking for a scene <laughs> or an excuse to use it and they finally came up with one it is quite funny because it's quite I a serious it. scene the man's dying and they managed to <laughs> wring some comedy out of it. Um, yeah, so he um, he finally passes them a note or some kind of flyer or something uh, for the Lady Be Good Club, which which sounds great, uh, and also hands them some kind of mechanical device to give to a lady called Harmony there. Um, and sometimes I think Red Dwarf's a little bit too on the nose, like calling a lady Harmony. I was thinking, right, okay, at some point at the end, it's got something to do with audio or they have to sing in harmony or something. Did you think that? No. I'm always I, thinking no. like what's going to happen in the future. It, it, I just thought it was a good like stage name kind of. Good point. It, yeah. Sort of gangster's mole kind of name. Yeah. And you, and you were right. With the prohibition kind of. Yeah. You, you were totally right. And I was wrong. This wasn't kind of a precursor to something happening um, in the future. But yeah, so so basically, uh, they realise that the simulants haven't gone back to the past to change their present. They've gone back to the past to enslave humanity. Now, these exponoids—they're new to Series Eleven. I would have liked there to be references to them throughout the history of Red Dwarf because you can't just keep coming up with things, coming up with monsters that have supposedly affected the past. And we've never heard of them before. Um, and all of a sudden, Crichton kind of knows about them. I find it almost a kind of like a cheap plot device. Again, I, I'll tell you what I thought at the end of this episode, what I think of this. There's a lot of good going for it, but there's certain things which I think are kind of narrative flaws, which kind of take me out of the out of the illusion a little bit i don't know what you guys out there think uh let me know on twitter at judge shepherd or at daniello with one l phillips what you think of this episode of course yeah so they decide uh to go to the club but what better thing for the red dwarf guys to do uh than have an excuse to get dressed up yep always good Dolled up uh they look pretty good to be they fair they do they look they pretty look snazzy pretty snazzy in their 1920s but i don't get just because technology is outlawed does that make the fashion stay the same as well <gasps> i guess so <laughs> <laughs> well like yeah i mean it's, it's quite un- I, I feel like if i mean technology wasn't that advanced in the 60s anyway you didn't have computers really 
maybe cars, but like I don't understand how technology freezing has stopped everything else advancing as well. Like surely music would still be current not 1920s kind of like flapper music um but they go to this um a lady be good club uh, and in the meantime christ and rimmer realize that they're illegal in this in this world so they're having trouble getting into this lady be good club and rimmer tries to jumble his way in and daniela do you know what a jumble is no see i knew of it but i didn't know it had a name and i didn't know it had a name until adam brooks from the monkey tennis podcast explained it in detail in every episode of series two what a jemble is is a guy who tries to pick up a girl or just tries to ingratiate himself into a conversation or into a relationship with someone by talking in a medieval fashion so they say you know so like you're a girl at a bar and the guy comes up to you and they say, forsooth, my dear lady, how is fair maiden doing on this that, fine morrow? Jembling. Jembling. Right. Yeah. And it kind of makes, it's meant to make the girl f- think of a kind of, roman- of a r- r- romantic kind of idealism of a relation. I don't know. But that's a jemble. And um, it's a way of guys, creepy guys, to ingratiate themselves <laughs> within, to, to girls, basically. Right. So, of course, I've tried this a lot. It doesn't work, guys. Don't try to jumble. It does not work. And Danielle's confirmed. Would yeah. a jumble work on you? No. No. What if a guy said they would fight dragons for you? No. They'd fight dragons. Five dragons. Don't know dragons. They would walk the lands with, or they would ride the lands atop their, atop their horse of white across fields of gold. It's really unnecessary. Some girls like all that kind of imagery, no, don't they? No, I just sit at home with me and watch Netflix. I'll be happy. Forsooth, my dear lady. <laughs> Let us watch Netflix. Netflix, my dear lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so now we know how uh, how to get Daniela. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might cut that out. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's jumbling. And that's what the kind of tactic Rimmy uses to try and get in uh, through the door of this club. And it doesn't quite work. Nope. But luckily, Lister is mistaken for a gangster uh, called Joseph Lister. And this is a real kind of... A scientist. Is, is it a scientist? scientist called Joseph That's Lister? That's right. Sorry, a scientist called... Jo- but I mean, there is a comparison to 1920s pr- Prohibition where this would be a gangster instead of a scientist. Yeah, so, I no. think that was the thing because he was trying to be cool to try and get in. Yeah. And then he, he actually got in because they think he's, he was related to a scientist. Yeah. Which is, I guess, is quite good. It'd be quite good if, like, science was outlawed. Because I feel like if it was outlawed, there'd be more kind of cool stuff going on. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll cut that out. It doesn't make any sense. Um, So this bar, it looks pretty cool. It looks like kind of a, well, I say that. It looks like kind of a hipster kind of shortage bar uh, with all, instead of, like, the normal thing you'd find in in a bar or club or something, it's like science equipment everywhere. And I thought that would be quite cool. Um, and you, But you still have people dressed 1920s. You still have girls. But with lab girls. coats on. Lab coats. Not all of them have lab coats on, do they? Uh, Some of them are still dressed like 1920s style. But you've got scientists kind of dotted yeah, around. They've got their lab coats over the top. Okay. Um, it's just chemistry stuff everywhere. And it's basically an illicit science club. Were you ever a member of a science club in school? No, I was that? terrible at science. I wasn't great at it either. I remember one time the Bunsen burners were left on overnight over the weekend over a weekend and i was one of the ones that they thought it was that left the bu- on purpose Uh-oh. left bunsen burns on in the science kind of lab 
which could have burnt down the whole, whole school. Not my style, guys. If I'm going to destroy a school, I'd, I would do it by... It's a Jed school story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but this was... The Red Dwarf was out when I was in school. <laughs> People like my school stories. <laughs> they do, they do. I, I like your school story. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I do. Okay. So, yeah, the bar looks kind of cool. Kind of. Would you go to a bar like this? Um, I guess. I don't really go to a lot of bars, but... But... If you had the option, this would probably, if this was around now, it'd probably be like a, a, a website with a special password and a waiting list. Yeah, probably cost like as long as there's um, somewhere I can sit down, I'd be happy. Yeah, and watch Netflix in the corner on your phone. <laughs> they best keep going there and they ask for Harmony, who solicits them with, with like this really long exchange of entendres. Which I feel it went on a little bit yeah, too long. Yeah, I didn't get this. We get it. Science equals sex. Yeah, went on it wasn't and on funny. And, on. Um, and this is probably the first time in all seven, well, six series of Red Dwarf now, where I found a lot to be critical of. Maybe because I expect a lot from this series. We've been waiting a little while. And I'm not criticising it for being around I, i'm so glad red wolf is back but it's just in this episode i found little things to nitpick with uh, but again it's the first episode I'll, I'll, I'll give it a chance um so yeah i found, I found this, this this kind of like back and forth harmony went on a bit too long yeah i didn't like it but putting that side i think it yeah. went back to being really strong afterwards well ironically i didn't think she had much chemistry oh i thought she was terrible the actress no but that was a joke Oh, sorry, but yeah. But honestly, I didn't think she was very good. I thought her accent was pretty good, but she was, I mean, it was a broad interpretation of a gangster's mall, like from about three different films from the 1920s and 30s of Hollywood. That's what she's basing those on, which is fine because in um, in previous uh, season series of Red Dwarf, they've done that kind of 1920s gangster's mall thing. Um too and that was a pretty broad version of that inter- of that too um so yeah harmony tells them that the gadget that they brought to her is a capacitor and it's kind of lost me again i was like okay what's this capacitor what, what does it have to do with the story i didn't quite understand maybe i misheard maybe because in the previous series of red dwarf i'd watched each episode like a hundred times but this one i'm watching it once for the first time twice yeah. to go through the notes and i still didn't really pick up on really what this kind of device was and what this other part was or where, where they got it from or how it fit together or why they needed a scientist to literally take two yeah. parts and slot it very yeah. easily together. I mean, that, that's what toddlers do, don't they, with their toys? Yeah, exactly. And, and you just think, hang on, Crichton's there. Crichton knows almost everything. I'm sure he can figure this out because he has the knowledge of all the Weinstein stuff it has the knowledge of multiples, millions upon millions of scientists, of, of everyone you can think of in his databases. Surely he'd be able to come up with a way of putting these two objects together in a scientific way. But again, that wouldn't really help the narrative. So they have to go and find Einstein, which again, you've already done Einstein, Red Dwarf. You don't need to <laughs> go back to that trope of Einstein. I was thinking, when's Marilyn Monroe going to turn up again? You don't need to do this. Um, Considering they've already met Einstein and know what he looks like, they didn't. They didn't really pick well, him out in this episode, well, did they? Well, I guess they? it was a waxwork last time. So. Yeah, but 
um, presume that was a, a likeness. Yes, you're right, you're <laughs> right. So they go and try and find Einstein, and he's basically a tramp. I need a whiny. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> that's quite good. Um, but the, th- the good thing about that scene is he was like, where's my string? Uh, stay away from my string. Oh, yeah, which that's is clever. Like, yeah, which is like a callback to Cat from like the early seasons, which I thought was really, really cool. And also things like string theory, that's another kind of thing they could have done there. But um, yeah, nice callback for the old school Red Dwarf fans. And I'm sure there are brand new Red Dwarf fans that have seen the series in a new light for the, for the very first time. So I hope that the people seeing it on day for the first time go back and watch the early series because there were a lot of callbacks throughout this episode, I think, with little references to things that happened in the past, um, which I think are great for the long-term fans. So they bring Einstein back to the bar and uh, they basically want him to, to get the gizmo to work. Um, but I thought, never mind the gizmo, try and get this plot device to work because it's making this episode stand still. Um, I was fine. I was okay really? with it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get a lot of the science, but I was enjoying it. I was enjoying oh, the story. Man. I, I loved just... Bob the Bum. Yeah, he <laughs> was great. But I just, I don't know. I think there was a lot of stop starts. I think this episode had lots of potential. You have warmongering simulants with time travel and you go to a kind of boring period well, I'm not that interested in the 1920s of history when people were kind of looks depressing and yeah we get it prohibition was a big thing but like I was, wasn't an interesting period to go back to I thought I guess bringing Einstein into it adds another layer but still they didn't really use him very well he was just like a guy in the corner then all of a sudden he was useful because they needed him to kind of further on the plot i don't know but okay let's get back into this um so the act so they get raided basically by the police and they do that thing that they do in comedies and where the tables flip over um and all the science stuff disappears and normal kind of bar stuff appears and the the guys the boys on the door pretend they're in the band and they find out as well that I need the whiny is actually Bob the Bum. Exactly. It's just someone who remotely looks like Einstein, um, but not actually Einstein. No. Nope. Um, so, yeah, so Lister, so they go down the line and they question the boys um, and you've got uh, Crichton standing there with a saxophone. You've got Cat doing a little dance. Yeah, we get it, Cat, you're a dancer. And then we get to, to Lister and he just says he's here for a drink or whatever. And he drinks out of Eldermeyer flask. Is that what it's called? I got a C in chemistry. I don't know. Did you? Yeah. I think I did as well. Eldermeyer flask. Um, and obviously that is a bit of tech or science, which is banned. So they kind of they kind of realise that something dodgy is going on. There's an illicit science den. Um, and then the actor Kevin Eldon appears once again. Uh, but this time in real life. The guy doesn't age. No. He looks the same as he did back in like Fist of Fun and those early series of Lean Herring and all that stuff he used to do. And he, he comes in playing it straight. I wish they let him have a little bit of rope to kind of get going because <laughs> the actor Kevin Eldon is one of the best comedic actors we have. He's he, a good one. To me, he's a national treasure. He's great. When he appears in, in, in any series, he I used kind to of love Big it. Train. Yeah, he's great in that. And I don't like Simon Pegg at all. Absolute hack. Um, <laughs> That's one guess we could cross off a peg podcast. <laughs> that last Star Trek, did you watch it? Star Trek Beyond? No, I didn't watch it. Uh, Star Trek bin. I like him in the Mission Impossible films. I mean, he's kind of annoying. He's, I mean, I guess he's the comedic relief, but don't give him a Star Trek to write. 
man, it <laughs> wasn't good. Okay. What 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 did Nick think of um of of Star Trek Beyond? I think he quite liked it. It was ent- it was entertaining I I past ninety minutes, but man, it just it, it, I think it killed it killed the franchise. Yeah, and there's Elder. He looks like Flavor Flav, like a futuristic Flavor Flav, Flav. with that big clock around him. Which what what was that around him again? That was some that no gadget idea. around him. Was that used a bit later? Because if so, I missed that as well. Um, but it kind of looked like the thing that Iron Man has to kind of the uh, to keep him alive. Um, he explains that um, they're there because humans couldn't handle technology in the future, so they sent back the simulants, the um, exponoids, to the past to stop technology. It's a big ask to kind of like yeah. to kind of uh, to kind of get this, um, and then so they were created to stop tech from happening. But if they if they're created to stop tech from happening, surely they wouldn't be in existence because the technology wouldn't have developed far enough for simulants to be created by the humans in the future. I guess so. So if the simulants do their job, which simulants are want to. Um, they they successfully stop humans uh, progressing um, and and making technology. Then surely the simulants won't be built in the future because they were built by future humans who relied on the on the technology of the previous centuries. I guess so. <laughs> I, don't, I really didn't think about it. This that has much. really confused you, hasn't it? Yeah, my head hurts. There were so many things that kind of stopped me and took me out of this. It's like maybe that's. Maybe because I'm I'm older now and I can't just sit back and watch. And obviously doing a podcast, you're always going to be a little bit more critical than usual because you're taking notes and you're studying every little thing that you do. Um, so yeah, this feels like the first episode where I've been like majorly critical. Um, I don't know. So apologies if if I've ruined uh, Red Dwarf for you guys. But I, I promise you from the episodes that we saw filmed or I saw filmed... Um, there's really some real good stuff to come. Yeah, so the simulants, uh, Kevin Eldon, the simulant, um, explain that they're the actual good guys because they're helping the humans in the future. And the boys cleverly make the simulants turn against each other because in, in the first couple of scenes, Kevin Eldon just dissed uh, another simulant and luckily that simulant was there in the room with them in, in the club and um, they managed to get them bickering. So, Daniela, have you ever been in a situation where you diss someone behind their back and it's come up to, and it's come around to, to bite you in the bum? Uh, yeah, I think so. A few times. A few times? Yeah. How, do, you have, do you still behind my back? <laughs> no. <Who's, laughs> I tell you to your face. That's true, you do. <laughs> Whose back did you talk about? Oh, I can't remember. Just things at school, you know, stupid things. There's always like one. There's always one person you can't trust. Trust to tell anything. Then like you tell them something, and you think, "Oh, are they going to sell people?" Um, I once worked in a place where I told someone in HR something, and then by the time I'd got downstairs, the entire office knew it. That's bad. HR aren't allowed to do that. I know, and yeah, obviously, but um, it wasn't anything big, luckily. But still. Um, if you have HR issues in your office, please contact us and let us know we're not in alone. So the boys uh, realise that um, they have successfully managed to kind of thwart the situation and from getting killed by making these simulants fight each other. Um, and it gives enough time for the, the clever plot device, Einstein... Bob the bum. Bob the bum, to put this uh, 
these two pieces next to each other, yeah. which creates the gizmo, which uh, can shoot the simulants. Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of like a fancy Rubik's cube. He managed to solve it. Yeah, and but with two pieces. And <laughs> then he gets this gizmo, which fires and... how do, I don't really understand. This gizmo was designed to kill the simulants or to freeze them. I don't know. I have no idea. Yes, I don't quite understand how this device can 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 shoot the exponents. It's never really explained. Um, I guess we've got to trust that they kind of know what they're doing, and hopefully these exploits come back at a later date because they were kind of cool. They didn't really do too much, but they, they were kind of cool. Um, and then they have an EMP, so the electromagnetic pulse. Is that the same thing as the device they have in their hand? I don't do think know? so. Yeah, then they get an EMP out of somewhere. Or was it the pulse that they originally stopped them when they were in space? Again, like I was watching this I, twice and I still don't understand where that where this, this comes from. Uh, but it's a useful device because it means it can destroy all of the the um, exponoids in the local vicinity. Or was it the galaxy? I don't know. But that's quite a useful thing to have. But in turn, that will destroy Crichton and Rimmer. So they need to do a fast escape. I didn't understand why. Why does why did Lister potentially want to stay there? I don't know. I just, I really don't know. I was trying to figure it out. It, all my second view, and I was like, right, I'm going to really pay attention now. And I don't think they explained it very well. I'm sure they did, and I just kind of just missed it because I was just too like happy looking at all the background and, and the set that looks beautiful. Still looks beautiful, even though I didn't know what was going on. It, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there was too much technical jargon going on and sometimes I want to come to a red dwarf and just kind of sit back and relax my brain and just enjoy what's going on but I found it really hard some bits were really jarring some scenes were just slightly didn't work some of the characters just didn't work I didn't feel like the characters kind of got into their into themselves like they never really interacted with each other that much I found um Again, we'll come to that at the end, what I really thought about it. So, luckily, um, that threat that Crichton and Rimmer might die, 10 seconds later, it's fine. They get on the ship, they get they go through the, through the uh, Doctor Who credits wormhole type thing, and they escape, uh, which is cool. And we get this like nice kind of Star Trek type ending where Lister contemplates technology a bit like how like uh spock and kirk contemplated uh, life and humanity and if if spock is the most human of all it's a bit like this scene where um lister says uh, contemplates technology's place in the world and how if we rely on it too much then it takes away the humanity and then that's juxtaposed with Crichton helping him clean his teeth um, showing that Lister, the last human alive, still needs technology. And don't we all, Daniela? Yep. <laughs> Power our iPhones. Yeah. Are you going to get the iPhone 7? No, it looks awful. What, what looks so awful? Are you one of the people that don't like the bravery of Apple and the, the courage to get rid of the um, the jack? Yes. <laughs> I, think, I, th I do think it's the future. I, I, I do think... Um, I mean, I obviously love analog and old technology and stuff, but I just think this is the way it's going to go, and it's better for us not to have wires and and be stuck to stuff. It's gonna it's gonna make our lives better if we're not like fidgeting over wires and getting stuck. And it's the wires the first thing to go as well. So if you have wireless devices, they last a lot longer. Um, not in battery life, but um, 
just in general because the wires are the first thing to go I you're find. saying this on a table full of like 100 wires that are tangled up with each other we are covered in wires <laughs> right now but that's just like how i like to roll cover me and daniela in wires and gadgets um because they want to turn us into robots like in superman 2 um and that's the episode that is the first episode of red dwarf that is twentica um so what did you think daniela i really liked it <laughs> oh god yeah did i you? thought it was great yeah I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. It made me laugh out loud. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. What? So what was your favourite bit? So obviously you said that it's the nipple things and Crichton. Yeah, Crichton um, sort of moonwalking and dancing after coming back from his uh, power surge, a power outage. That bit was good. But don't, don't you find that the guys... I know it's the first episode and it's kind of an int- reintroduction back to Red Dwarf. But don't you find that they didn't really interact with each other very well? It was only briefly at the start and then Crichton and, and, and Rimmer at the end. I Sorry, Crichton thought it was fine. I feel like they were sort of working as a, the team. They weren't against each other. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, maybe I just wanted more. Maybe I just expect more from the first episode. Um... I just want what what I wanted. My ideal first episode of Red Dwarf would have been a reintroduction to the guys, very brief. I don't want to explain what they what they're all about and stuff because I because I know more of it. So an introduction, uh, straight into the action. But I want them to interact with each other so we we know how they how their relationships have developed over time. But we still don't know the dynamics of this group in in the twenty first century in this new series because they I don't think they dynamically interacted with each other they, they interacted with kind of really broad 1920s characters and i didn't feel like it worked very well i also didn't like the the plot i thought the plot started off really good a complete waste of the actor kevin eldon i just thought how they wrapped it up was just too quick i realized they have to do because it it's a 30 minute tv show but it just there was just no sense of danger there was no sense of doom we all knew they want to get away just when there was a sliver of something that might happen which may endanger the crew 10 seconds later they're flying off to flying off through the through the wormhole and it just seemed to be loads of moments where a device appeared that would save the day deus ex machina it's crazy um because I don't know, I just expected a lot more. I'm not completely saying this episode was awful because there was a lot to like about this episode. As I said, amazing model work, beautiful scenery, just absolutely outstanding. You can see where the money's gone. Everything looks great. I've, it feels more real um, because, I mean, I guess the models are real. Um, I just think the characters didn't interact with each other other very well misuse of kevin eldon the simulants didn't really do anything oh, i just thought some of the plot devices were just too heavy-handed um i'm still really looking forward to the rest of uh, the series though and what we're going to do this series is we're going to do let's make head chart right at the end the last episode i'm going to do a rundown just so it's uh just so it's easier like that what do you think, Daniela? Yep, sounds good to me. So we're a bit divided on this episode. Daniela really liked it, and I didn't like it so much in comparison with what I expected and kind of the, the best episodes um, and series of Red Dwarf 1 to 6. What series of Red Dwarf do you think this seemed more like? I have no idea. Yeah, to, to me, this seemed a bit like series 4, just the way the kind of... the, the 
episode developed, uh, the kind of flashiness of Series 4. It's difficult to tell after just one episode, though. Totally. You're 100% right. Like... I'm judge- I'm harshly judging it on on one episode. I should wait till the end. This is why I think it's best to do this maker's chart at the end, just so we're not um, in the moment. Well, at the moment, this is number one out of one. <laughs> number one, out of one, yeah. <laughs> Can't really do a chart. Well, hopefully, because the episode we saw uh, together, Daniel, I absolutely it was a Crichton centric episode, and I absolutely loved it. It was good, but this one I think is better. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Some similarities, I thought, just to do with the movement of Crichton. I don't want to give any spoilers, but the movement of Crichton in this episode parallels the movement of Crichton in the Crichton-centric Possibly. episode. We'll talk uh, about it when we get to the episode. Yes, we will. Um, so overall, Daniel loves it, and I'm giving it slightly below average, I would say, which I know will probably shock a lot of you smegheads out there, so I'm really sorry about that. Um... But yeah, that's the first episode of Snakeheads, controversially. Um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. Danielle, where can we find you or where can the Snakeheads find you if they want to talk to you about this episode? I'm on Twitter at Daniela1L Phillips. And on Instagram? Daniela Monica Phillips. And I am at Jed Shepherd on everything. That's J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D on Twitter on instagram find out what i'm up to on postpoprecords.com or postpoppodcast.com or postpoppins.com because i just launched postpop pins which is the most amazing enamel badge company yeah they look awesome thank you very much the first badge is um a badge of pj from bikey grove when he got blinded by a paintball and it's going down a tree it kind of went viral yesterday when i launched it which was kind of cool um so thank you very much for listening to the first episode guys and we'll see you for episode two hopefully i'm a bit more positive about it yeah <laughs> so we'll see you <laughs> later we'll see you later Bye. bye